Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. Franchise players. I am your host, Desmond Johnson. I also host the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast with Tyrone Poole. You can find previous episodes of the Believe in Panthers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Just follow them on Twitter. Um, I have on the line with me right now, he is the host of Play the Bay, which is the all sports Tampa Bay uh, podcast for Believe. Um, and I wanted to bring him on to. Actually, let me just reset this. Hold on. <laughs> You're good, man. <laughs> just hold on. Just You're good, dude. <clears throat> All right. Welcome back to Franchise Players. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson. Thanks for joining us here. Uh, high school week this week is the state playoffs get into gear, and we've got two simulcast games for you on Friday night at 7 p.m. Uh, the defending 4A state champion East Forsyth Eagles will be taking on Grimsley, the number one seed in 4A in the Western region. That is at 7 p.m. Myself and Rod Funderburk will be on the call for that one. IMG Learfield Sports Ryan Stone will be on the call for three-seed Glenn taking on six-seed Butler from out of Matthews. That game will also be at 7 p.m. And you can catch both of those games at TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. The Believe in Panthers podcast can be found on the Believe Podcast Network. It is hosted by myself and Tyrone Poole in season. Decided to throw some episodes out there as we get closer to the draft, and we decided to do a series on the other teams in the NFC South uh, to give Panther fans an idea of you know what the hell's been going on uh, in our own division, in our own backyard with offseason changes and things of that sort. So who better to bring on to talk about the soon to be defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers than Evan Bush, who is one of the hosts of Play the Bay, a podcast on the Believe Podcast Network that deals with all the pro sports in Tampa Bay. Evan, what's going on, brother? How you doing? What's going on, man? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So I'm sure, of course, you are you guys are the only team that actually had probably a, a, a fun offseason, you know, celebrating <laughs> your second uh, Vince Lombardi trophy last year, running through the NFC playoffs and defeating the uh, then defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, just starting off, Evan, what do you think is the biggest offseason move to date for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in your mind? I think getting everybody back is the biggest thing. I mean, no team has, has brought all 22 starters back, uh, I don't think, in the history of the NFL. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think the the biggest focus on the offseason was, you know, before they brought everybody back, was if, if they can bring some of the guys back from that defense. Because that defense really picked up the pace the the latter half of the season and then into the playoffs and of course the the ultimate super bowl win. So that was the biggest question mark was okay, who if 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 the bucks are going to be able to pick who, who are they going to be able to, you know, throw money at? Who are they going to be able to bring back and you know, a lot of people are like we got to bring back Levante David, we got to bring back Shaq Barrett, you know, and then the bucks just said, "You know what? We're bringing back everybody." So you guys just pump the brakes on being worried about who we're bringing back, which was amazing. Which so. is which has made Tampa, if I'm not yeah. uh, mistaken, the odds-on favorite to actually get back to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. And if you want to put some money down on that, you can do that at <laughs> Bet Online. <laughs> they are the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all your news, scores, and, uh, and odds. It's the best way to place your bet. It's free to sign up. Head over to the website at betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is Bet Online, your online sports book experts evan bush on the line with me here from the uh play the bay podcast on the believe podcast networks chopping it up a little nfc south preview here we've got the nfl draft the 2021 nfl draft coming up here uh, less than two weeks man it's right around the corner um i gotta ask this question because everyone's gonna well these two questions because people want to know uh being a tampa bay fan how big to you was the culture change in tampa with tom brady and head coach bruce arians there uh compared to can you do like a before and after in terms of the way the culture was there? Because uh, I'm sure it was a big shift. I noticed it 
from watching yeah. from afar. Uh, you, you know, and I've been a Bucks fan since uh, since I was a kid. My first game was actually uh, in the old horseshoe when the Bucks wore their creamsicle, you know, uniforms, and they played the Chicago uh, Bears. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been a fan <laughs> for a long time, so I, I'm used to the losing. And then, you know, when they won the first Super Bowl, it was, you know, it was, um, and it was a long time coming. And then the losing happened again. And then, you know, the last, you know, five or six years we've had, you know, head coach after head coach, coordinators after coordinators, and then, you know, you you get frustrated with. What are we doing here? And that's the biggest question that we I have always asked, you know, in social media and then on my on the show Play the Bay is, you know, what before before the whole Tom Brady thing happened, which, you know, a lot of people thought was would never happen. I, I never thought in a million years I would see a Tom Brady in a Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform. I, nobody did. And I hated the guy for a long time because he won so much. And now, you know, I love him to death. So um, <laughs> it, it's it's just crazy how, you know, bringing in not only a, a, a Hall of Fame probably the greatest of all time quarterback can ultimately not only really change the culture of your team after for so long being just the kind of the laughing stock of the NFC South, but also, you know, changing the co- almost like the, it's the Tom Brady effect because not only did Tom Brady come to town, but the lightning won the, the uh, Stanley cup final. They won the, the, the Stanley cup, the Rays go to the world series. You know, obviously they didn't win, but they, they went all the way to the world series. So, Oh, wow. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a, it's been an awesome time to be a Tampa Bay sports fan in this area for the, for the past, you know, year, almost a year and a half ever since Tom Brady came to town. So yeah, going with that culture shift is, you know, nothing to knock Jameis Winston. I, I, I followed Jameis Winston all throughout college when he was in FSU and I've been a Seminole fan for the longest time. So, you know, watching him win a, you know, national championship with that team was, you know, I was really happy for him and, and the Seminoles, but, you know, and the expectations were high for him coming in. You know, he was going to be that franchise guy that the Bucks have always wanted to have as a quarterback. And, you know, we saw so many flashes of, of Jameis, you know, of his playmaking ability, but it was just time after, you know, five years of up and down, up and down. The consistency wasn't there. The interceptions wasn't there. You know, and you can you can blame it on coaching changes. You can blame it on you know he couldn't see, which you know to me, if you're an NFL player and you can't see going coming out of college, but you got a huge contract, you know, spend about twenty five hundred dollars and get your LASIK done on on year one instead of waiting on year five. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, it's just you know going back to that Tom Brady effect is when he came to town. It's now all eyes are on Tampa, and then it's like, okay, what is Tom Brady going to bring to this team? And obviously. People want to, you know, people want to play with Tom Brady. That's why, you know, Gronk came back out of retirement. You know, Leonard Fournette came to town. You know, you bring, you're bringing these guys in, and you know, you know about Tom Brady. If you hear about Tom Brady in the locker room and on the field, he doesn't take any crap from anybody. So if you're not pulling your weight, he's going to let you know. And that's, I think that's one of the thing that was lacking is the leadership. You know, accountability. For, exactly. And for a while there, you know, with the with with the Bucks with with Jameis. In the locker room was I don't think there was a lot of leadership, especially when you saw him eat the W, uh, you know, before one of those games. That pregame speech was a lot of the guys were just looking at him like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, <laughs> you know, you, it, it just made him seem kind of like that still immature college kid. So bringing in a vet like Tom Brady, now obviously they had Ryan Fitzpatrick there, but Ryan Fitzpatrick is no Tom Brady. You're bringing in a guy that's won multiple Super Bowls, won multiple MVPs, and you know is a guy that's on a whole other stratosphere when it comes to, to being an elite player. So that's the, that's the thing that, that that culture shift was not only does he make, you know, this, this he makes players better, but he makes just makes a culture better, man. I think things started to taste better around Tampa Bay. Food started to taste better. You know, <laughs> nightlife was better. It's just that Tom Brady effect bringing in there. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun time, man. I tell you what, you know, I hope he plays till he's till he's 50 years old. Obviously, that might happen. He's a vampire. I, I was going to say, he might actually get there. I was joking that he, I yeah. was surprised he made it through this year, but with the you way know, the rules are, you can't really touch the quarterback anymore. He, he might damn well get to 50. <laughs> whatever he has, his diet with TB12, and I'm sure he's eating kale salads with Giselle's feeding him like, you know, <laughs> blood of blood of humans just to keep him young and fruitful. <laughs> whatever he's doing, I, I hope when I'm his age, I'm 38. I hope when I'm in my 40s, I look like that and can still you know, walk around without my back hurting, which does, you know, on a constant basis. So, yeah, I'm um, 43, so I'm right there with you. Brother. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just it's great, man. And especially now going into um, this offseason where, you know, I, all eyes are on Tampa again. You know, let's see if they can go for two. It's, you know, if this, if this team can do it again, which, you know, 
look, you've got a fantasy football team right now in the books. You're bringing in so many pieces now. You you bring in Giovanni Bernard, which you signed a couple of days ago. So that's a, a passing back, which you've kind of lacked here for a while too. So it's 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 good to be alive in Tampa Bay, man. I'll tell you that. Let's okay. So let's start right there with the roster stuff because you guys have yeah. a stacked roster. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and yeah, I'm shocked that you guys were able to bring back everyone uh, that, that started last year. Uh, people tend to forget that you know Leonard Fournette was a top ten draft pick like three yeah. years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like it wasn't that long ago when it was the same draft of Christian McCaffrey. You know, and and that was the the argument up here in Carolina. Should they you know spend it on Fournette or spend it on McCaffrey? That wasn't that long ago. And right. you know for him to be the the starting uh, tailback for Tampa. It's just a fortune that I don't know they even thought would even happen when they started, you know, bringing in Brady and everything else. Let me ask you this, though, because I'm sure it's crossed your mind at least once or twice over the past day or so. Odds we see recently retired Pat's wide receiver Julian Edelman in a Bucks uniform before the end of the 2021 season. Where would you, you know, place those odds? You know, that's kind of funny. <laughs> you brought that up because we actually talked about it last night on the show. Oh, um, did you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know... Anything is possible now, especially with with Tom Brady and uh, and and this is what we we kind of discussed on our show was, you know he's he's had those conversations already with Brady and Gronk. You know he has. Yeah. You know he's he's probably they've probably both have called him up. They've probably got on a Zoom meeting together, and they're probably you know trying to pitch this to him. Okay, you know what? Hey, listen, you we, you're retired now, quote unquote. But you know if we can make it happen, we would love to have you come down here because look. He could probably still play. I, I, me personally, I would rather sign Antonio Brown over Julian Edelman before, you know, if they're going to bring back, uh, you know, a slot receiver like you know, Julian Edelman is because he's been hurt so much in the past couple of years. I think, I think at this point in his career, he he should retire because I, it, to me, it would be a waste of money. Obviously, it adds depth, and he's probably not going to play, you know, you know, a lot of snaps like other guys would. But I just think you could, you could allocate your money somewhere else or maybe you know what maybe don't even bring back Antonio Brown or Julian Edelman, uh, Edelman to to the team this year but you know the chances are if 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 Gronk is saying 69% which you know Gronk is just you know a, a funny dude as it is when he's saying 69% um <laughs> i would say i it wouldn't shock me if if Edelman came down to Tampa because what 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 better way for him to come back? He's playing with his boys. They're gonna go for another ring. You know, it anything's possible. I, I would it would not shock me if he if he came down here for like you know a little bit of money and just just to want to you know go for another ring. Yeah, because I mean, my understanding is that I, I guess the Patriots would have to sign off on this because they they did that with Gronk to a certain yeah. degree. I think, and I, I can't remember if Tampa had to send them some sort of compensation or how that worked out. I don't really remember the details, but in order for Gronk to be a free agent, the Patriots had to basically release the rights to him. I would assume they have to do the same thing with Edelman. Right. And I thought I'd saw that the reason why he was retiring is because he couldn't pass a physical. So Yeah, that's the main uh, reason why. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's a you know a red flag for me too. If you can't pass a physical, then you know, how are you gonna be on the field? So and yeah, yeah. I think it's the same situation as Gronk. With Gronk, they I think they gave them the Pats like a late round pick for Gronk for the rights. I think, yeah, I believe you're right. So yeah. uh, follow Evan on Twitter at lbushman07. Uh, you can follow Play the Bay uh, at Play the Bay TB. Um, I, so you bring everyone back. So it kind of makes it a, a different situation going into the NFL draft for you guys because it, it almost feels like you don't have a whole lot of needs. But right. of course, there's always some sort of need that every football team has. What do you think with all the re-signings of everyone coming back to try to run this back again? What do you think are the biggest draft they needs for the Bucks going into 2021? You know, that's a great question. And, you know, that's something we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks. And we're, of course, going to be leading up to the draft, you know, talking about what the Bucks should do. I say they should trade out of the of the 32nd pick. I think they should trade out. You know, have some. You know, have a team say, "I want to come back in, give a give them the give them the thirty second pick." But if if they were if the biggest need for for the Bucks going into draft day, you know, interior offensive line comes to mind. Um, you know, Ryan Jensen and Alex Kappa are both free agents next spring. Um, Alex Kappa did go down with an injury. Um, <clears throat> I think Aaron Stinney's coming back as a as a he's a returning backup too. So. Having that flexibility at the center position to help guard would that would be a big thing for them to address because you know you've got to you've got to protect Tom Brady so that's one of the needs I, I would think they would look at um, in the draft maybe um, defensive line too you know and Dominican Sue Vita Vea Will Golson uh, Raheem Nunez Rocha uh, Roches is they're all old guys I know Sue is like thirty four. 
So, you know, getting a boost of, of some youth in the, into that line would help them out too as well. It, it, it's kind of where you're, the Bucks are going into a draft where they don't really need, they have needs, but they don't have a need. You know what I mean? Because they mm. brought everybody back. So if I was Jason Light, and Bruce Arians, I would just kind of look at a dartboard and go, you know, I'm going to throw a dart and see which which position we should go after first. Now, <laughs> I, I know a lot of people are saying maybe the Bucks should go after running back, but you know, really? The, well, <laughs> I mean, you, you know, just trust, trust, oh, yeah. trust me. A lot of trust me. A lot of people were saying Bucks should go running back, but to me, you know, you've got Rojo, you've got Fournette for another year, and then you got Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, who's still developing, you know, of course we don't know if LaShawn McCoy is going to be coming back. And now you signed Giovanni Bernard too, as well. Yeah. I don't think you need a running back. Yeah. You, you <laughs> like, don't. You and I'll, you trust you got to stop being greedy down in Tampa bro, Bay. It's like all the players. What are you trust doing? me. A lot of people were saying <laughs> we should, we should uh, sign a running back. And I think, you know, with that, no, man, the, you got to remember the bucks are now in a win now mode. They're not, they're not looking to build toward the future anytime soon. I mean, obviously it kind of depends on what happens after this year, if the Bucks win another Super Bowl, or if they get close to it again, if they make a you know a deep playoff run, it, it kind of all depends on what Tom Brady does. Because if Tom Brady says, "Okay, you know what, I'm done after this year," you're going to see a lot of guys go, "Okay, well, I'm a free agent. I'm going to probably go somewhere go ahead else." And bounce, yeah, yeah. So that's that's something that I think the the Bucks will have to really kind of think about. Is okay, we've got this final year in Tom's contract. Uh, you know, they did extend him to, to age 45 to free up money, but it's like we ha- they have to they have to prep for the future. Well, I think they will probably not this coming year, but next year, it, depending on what happens. But it's just the draft this year is just kind of weird for them because they don't really need to. I mean, I mean, you could say they could draft a quarterback this year because who would take over, you know, after after Brady loses? I mean, it's not going to be Ryan Griffin or, or Blaine Gabbert. Certainly not. Right. So um, <laughs> so it's it's to me and this is a, a huge hot take is I've always said. Once Brady leaves, you know, Aaron Rodgers is so mad up in Green Bay, he can come down and, and, and fill in for Brady once Brady's Ooh, gone and be the next quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Say, goodness gracious, that, that thought has never even crossed my mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you right now, it it it, it sign the signs could, could point down the Tampa Bay where you'll see a, a quarterback by the name of Aaron, that bad man Rodgers, come down and take the place of uh, Tom Brady when uh, Tom Brady, you know, sits I, off in the sun. As a Panther fan, that would infuriate me. <laughs> like if that went down, like I don't even know how to contain the anger. If that, if they went from Tom Brady to Aaron Rodgers with Tell all you, man. these, oh my gosh! Like I feel my 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 blood boiling just thinking about the possibility. I, dude, the the way on. the Bucks Bucks accountants are with the with moving money for free agency and just squeezing out every little penny. And I know Aaron Rodgers has a huge contract, but they can make it happen. Let's let's do this. So real quick, uh, outside of Tampa, what team in the NFC South worries you the most as a Tampa Bay fan over the next two or three years and why? None of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm listening. I'm going to be candid with it. I mean, none no. of them really, they don't scare me at all. I mean, yeah, none of them scare me at all. I really don't. Hey, you're being real. I mean, yeah. I appreciate that. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, mean because with with the Saints, you really have to decide who's going to be your starting quarterback. Is it going to be Jameis? Is it going to be Taysom Hill? With you guys, you know, is it going to be Darnold, or you know, is is, is he going to be competing with Teddy Bridgewater for the starting job? Are are you guys going to let Bridgewater you know talk to other teams? Or are you guys going to keep him around for? Yeah, for no, game? they they gave him permission to talk to other teams okay. uh, late last week. I do not expect Bridgewater to be on this roster when we get okay. to opening week. Um, they're I think they're going to probably end up shipping him off to Denver. For a late mm, round pick, uh, to, to kind of compete over there. Um, I see that happening. I just, I, you know, honestly, I, I don't think that the the Panthers are out of the woods of drafting a quarterback still at eight. Like I feel like one of those quarterbacks is going to fall. I'm kind of thinking it's Justin Fields. So if Justin Fields is still sitting on the board at eight, I Ooh. think the Panthers are going to run to the podium to, to take him. And then with Darnold, they haven't signed his fifth year extension yet. So really, it's almost like a one year kind of prove it type deal. If they sign the fifth year extension, then yeah, they'll owe them like eighteen million dollars. But if they don't, then all they're really giving up are the, the the second and the fourth for next year, and they'll get one of those back when they trade Teddy. So it's kind of a wait and see because I'm not completely yeah. convinced on Sam. Uh, I do think he's not great over Teddy, but and, and either I said this too when when the the you know the trade happened was you know it, it almost because we were we were kind of debating okay does this make them make you guys better I was like well it's almost as a stalemate. Because I don't think Darnold's as good as Bridgewater and vice versa. So to me, there was no win-win in this trade at all. You're now, you know, Darnold, 
is coming down. I think Matt Rule had, um, you know, had had really scouted him before, you know, taking a job in in the NFL. You know, yeah, he interviewed the, yeah, he interviewed, interviewed for the Jets job. Yeah, and, so yeah. you know, so he brings the, kind of the quarterback he wanted if he took that job with the Jets. But I, I, you guys have so much other areas to to really improve on. Oh, I agree. That, <laughs> I mean, just, you know, just bringing watching, same, <laughs> Well, I see all all these people on Twitter. Oh, it makes the Panthers so much better. I'm like. It was if Sam Darnold needs time to throw the ball, he's not going to get it, man. Like yeah. the O line there, yeah. I, so I mean, skill position wise, I'd put Carolina's skill positions on offense oh, yeah. up with almost anybody. Like I Definitely. like what they have. I um, love your guys as wide receivers. You guys have a great yeah. wide receiving core. Is is you guys got to have somebody to throw to, and that's the that's the only issue you guys have. Yeah. Played. And now with Sam, I will say now Teddy is super accurate. He might be the most accurate quarterback in Panthers history. I think he threw like 70% on the season. The problem is he only throws it five or 10 yards. Like he doesn't go deep at all. Sam can throw it deep. So that's kind of the difference there. If Sam can just be, you know, 60, 62% completion rate and gets the ball downfield to Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, I'm completely happy with the switch. Uh, I was just totally over Teddy. Like by the end of the year, (laughs) it was just like, what are we doing? We it's like Groundhog Day. We keep running the same (laughs) thing at the end of the game where Teddy's got the ball in his hands. It's up to him to make it happen, and he fails, and he finds a different way to fail every single week, and it just got to the point where it's like maybe with two or three weeks to go, it was like, you know what? Don't bring McCaffrey back into this nonsense. Let him rest. Just finish this out, and then we got to get Teddy up out of here because, like, this just didn't working, and right. lo and behold, uh, David Tepper and uh, Matt Rule and all those guys apparently have been feeling the exact same way, so that's how <laughs> Sam Darnold ended up in Charlotte. But again, like I said, I think they might draft a quarterback also if there's one on the board. Um, I, they did, I, can they did, see, I can see that too. They yeah, sent people but, to Justin Fields' pro day, his second pro day, uh, on uh, on Wednesday. So I think it's still out there in the open. Got to let you go because I'm right up against a break, though. But again, follow these guys at Play the Bay TV. This is the Play the Bay podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Chopping it up with Evan Bush. You can follow him on Twitter at lbushman07. Evan, I appreciate you coming on for our tour of the NFC South, man. And uh, we definitely need to keep in touch and uh, hook up again during the season. Yeah, definitely, man. Thanks for having me on. We uh, What we like to do on our show is whenever we have a matchup with that team, we always like to have them on. That way we can go at it with, uh, you know, who's going to win the game. So, yeah, oh, yeah, let's do it. When we, play, when, we play, when we destroy you guys. Uh, <laughs> I think we're going to surprise some folks. I think we're going to surprise some folks this year. So, we'll, we'll I am see. Not, I am not one of them. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, your quarterback's still 43. So, eventually, Father Tom is going to be like, oh, whoa, I forgot that uh, – that dude yeah. is old. I need to bring him back over here with me, but I don't know when that's going to be. That could be another five <laughs> years from now, but eventually I assume <laughs> that that's going to happen. But yeah, we'll definitely do that. Just hit me up and uh, we'll definitely get that together for uh, for the season. Sounds good, man. Coming up here on Franchise Players, first round of the North Carolina State High School football playoffs begins this Friday. We've got two huge games for you. Joe Serrera from the Greensboro News and Record and Dave Pulaski from IMG Sports will be here with us to preview East Forsyth versus Grimsley and some other area games to note. You're listening to Franchise Players on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. the franchise players it's a beautiful thursday i'm your host desmond johnson bit of a treat for everyone in the triad uh for this segment it's a reunion of sorts high school huddle uh used to be a show that we had running on local airwaves here in the triad uh midweek during the high school football season it was myself dave pulaski joe serrera from the greensboro news and record so i decided to go grab those guys bring them back so we could have a high school high uh high school high high school uh huddle reunion between the three of us uh with the beginning of the spring 2021 uh north carolina high school athletic association state football playoffs gentlemen what's going on man now it's just another day in paradise during this spring football season i mean we've gotten we've gotten through it you know we've gotten through the seven week sprint here and now we're getting ready for the playoffs and you know for for a brief period it kind of feels like it's going to be back to normal doesn't it a little bit it's it's been kind of it's been it's been soothing to see the the crowds get larger as the spring season's gone on to the point where you know we had actual student sections for East and Glen on Friday uh, that were pretty boisterous and pretty loud. Uh, so it, it was different to hear that. Uh, Joe, are you doing okay, man? I know you're covering like 85 high schools or whatever it is uh, <laughs> in the state right now. How are you been? 
I'm doing okay. I've got uh, the Winston-Salem Journal Schools and the Greensboro News and Record Schools, Ooh. and I'm coming coming off of a uh, Northwest, Northern Guilford Western Alamance game last Friday night that kicked off at 7, was stopped for lightning with 4.24 to go in the first quarter, resumed at 10.31, went overtime, and ended at 12.59 a.m. Oh, my God. I thought we got out late in Kernersville, uh, the East Glen yeah. game. We had a two-and-a-half-hour weather delay there. Uh, Glenn literally sat on buses for two and a half hours, got off the bus, and it was like they never sat on them. <laughs> it was like they yeah, just came yeah. right back out the exact same way they were. Uh, it was 14 to zero at the end of the first, and they just overwhelmed East on Friday to uh, clinch a share of the Central Piedmont Conference over there. Um, I wanted to there, talk. There was, I, there was actually, there was, sorry, Des, there was actually okay. one time when uh, Joe was posting his updates at about 1245 in the morning. <laughs> and luckily my game got moved to Thursday. So I'm sitting in the clubhouse, basically just sitting back and watching and seeing you guys go through your updates and stuff. And Joe posts and we're going to overtime at 1245. <laughs> and I, I did hashtag pray for Joe just because of what, what he had to deal with. And uh, man, I, I was oh. glad that only went one overtime, Joe. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was the best football game I, I saw all high school season so far. So from that standpoint, I can't complain. But sitting in a press box uh, for six hours, yeah, yeah, it, it, was, a, it was a long <laughs> evening. Yeah, especially with the the parameters now, because you know Joe and and Dave back in the you know just last time we had a regular season, some of these press boxes are known for having like golden corral style buffet things going on in there and none of all that shut down because of covid so it would have made it a little bit easier if we'd had you know the chili and the the one-stop chicken and all that stuff over at east Forsyth, but we didn't have it uh we, yeah. J, jp mundy was in the booth with us uh jay spivey mm-hmm. was over there um and myself and rod funderburg and we literally just waited out. i think i got home around midnight on friday after all that was yeah. all said and done and our game went kind of quick because it kind of got out of hand so if it had you know been a closer one we probably would have been there a lot longer than we were. Um, the, they, so they did release the brackets on Saturday evening because of all the stuff that happened with the weather on a Friday. And then some teams decided to move their games to Saturday morning to get those in. Brackets came out Saturday evening. Uh, I, I'm going to run through real quick some of the local ones. And then I want to circle back around to uh, the main game that we're focused on here, which is uh, the one seed in 4A Grimsley in the Western region, taking on the eight seed, but two-time defending champ, East Forsyth. Um Three seed Glenn hosting six seed Butler out of Matthews. That game actually will be on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Also, Ryan Stone uh, will have that call. That game's at uh, actually, I think they changed the starting times to seven thirty. So uh, that game will begin at seven thirty. Grimsley's for Sife will have also. It's also at seven thirty. And four double A actually, those Northwest Guilford uh, Vikings are the only team in the area that actually made it in the four A double A bracket. They'll be playing two seed Myers Park. Uh, in three double A, which I really this whole bracket on the western side is really intriguing to me. Uh, the one seed is Wataga, but they're taking on probably the most dangerous eight seed I've ever seen in Dudley. Uh, and then you've got a potential just blockbuster matchup in the second round between Weddington and Mount Tabor, who many people have thought are the two best three A schools playing football. They might see each other in the second round. That probably should be like a regional final. Uh, the two seed uh, Southeast Guilford's taking on seven seed Clayton over on the eastern side of that bracket. Southern Guilford in three A's is six seed. They're taking on the three seed Havelock and two double A. Uh, the one seed is North Davidson. They will be hosting the eight seed Pisca. Uh, the four seed is Ash County. They will be taking on Oak Grove. So that sets up a potential North Davidson Oak Grove matchup uh, in the second round, which is interesting. Uh, in two A, the four seed is Shelby. They're taking on the five seed Walkertown. Uh, number one, Reedsville, Titletown. They're taking on the eighth seed, Southwest Onslow. And in 1A, the two seed is Robbinsville, taking on the seventh seed, Winston-Salem Prep. Um, let's go back to 4A real quick and go to this Grimsley East for Scythe game. Uh, we we actually are the home of the nest uh, with head coach uh, Todd Willard from East for Scythe, and we did that show live last night with a special guest appearance from uh, West Forsyth head coach, Adrian Snow, yes. uh, who popped in like a wrestler, basically, yes. and sat down with us. Um, Off the ropes. Pretty much. And it was fun. I mean, those guys, they've gone they've gone through their battles. They, you know, started off bitter enemies. They're now really good friends. You could tell that, you know, just having them sit beside each other, that they genuinely enjoy each other's company. Sounds like they even talk to each other on the phone almost daily at this point. Um, I, I'm curious, though, because, you know, Snow brought up an interesting point. With the season getting missed in the fall and then them missing each other in the spring session, it's going to be like 730 some odd days in between the last time East and West played each other to the next time they'll see each other in spring. Oh, excuse me, in the fall 2021. 
East will have played Grimsley, I believe, like three times since the right. last time East played West for Scythe. Talk mm-hmm. to me a little bit, guys, because I know, Dave, you've called a, a, a number of these games between East and Grimsley over the past couple of years. I've called a number of them. Joe, I know you've been at Jameson Stadium and over at uh, the Nest Colonies. Talk to me about this rivalry and how it's kind of it's really kind of been reborn over the past really two seasons or so into one of the top rivalries in the in the whole area, in my opinion. Uh, tell me a little bit about that and what what Grimsley has done to get to this level where they they basically are, you know, tit for tat with East Forsyth right now. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of take the Grimsley side of it because I've I've talked to Daryl Brown back in his Southern Guilford days. I know Dave has too, but um, they've played eight. This will be their eighth meeting in five seasons, uh, hmm. third playoff meeting, regular season meetings. I mean, it, it's it took a few years for Daryl Brown to build the Grimsley program. They were starting not from ground zero, but they, they were in a bad spot when he took over and he talked about uh, to me and uh, Todd Willard talked to me about how Grimsley was willing to play East when they were at their lowest point because they wanted to know what the standard was, what it was going to take for them to be competitive on the state level. And they knew that playing East for Scythe was the way to find out. And it's been borne out. I mean, Daryl Brown's built that Grimsley program to the point where, I mean, if you, if you want to talk, Teams that I think will go to a state championship game, I think Grimsley's going to play in a state championship game. The 4A West bracket is not particularly brutal. And if they can get past East, I think I think they're going to be in, in the state championship game. And they were so close last year. Uh, two phenomenal games between those two teams last year and the regional final, 21-20 East for Scythe. Uh, Grimsley coming up short on a two-point conversion. I mean, it's turned into a great rivalry. The sad part is, it's over after this playoff game. They're not going to be able to play each other the next two years. They're hoping to get it in the third and fourth years of the next realignment cycle. But with each conference going to eight teams in the new realignment and only 10 games in the regular season instead of 11, they couldn't make it work because of other obligations. They had to play teams in their counties. Wow. So, yeah, so we might be seeing the end of uh, this for a while. And it's it's poetic that they're seeing each other in the playoffs at Jameson Stadium. Like like you said, they're uh, – uh, Joe, Dave, wh- what are you thinking on the East for Scythe side here in terms of they might have suffered the most losses in terms of personnel, key personnel, than any other team in the state having to move the season from the fall to the spring. Uh, they haven't really used that as an excuse. They got hot middle of the season, ended up becoming co-champions of uh, the CPC, which I don't think anybody expected with the uh, the guys they lost. But uh, they do still have some holes here and there. What does East need to do to be able to go into Greensboro and defeat this Grimsley team? And Des, especially with the way the season started out too, because you lost not only five guys who went to early enrollees in college, but you lost guys from key positions. You lost right. Jaden Lindsay along the offensive line. You lost your quarterback, Ty Lyles, two-time state championship game, most valuable player. You, you definitely can't replace a guy like that. And then you also had Micah Kroll, who uh, left early to graduation, Zion Reeves, who left early. So, I mean, these are guys from key positions and and big big time contributors. So that was really a, a tough thing for Coach Willard to try and overcome, especially with limited practice time like you had because you only went, what, two and a half weeks from yeah. the first practice officially until the regular season started. So yeah, it was really an uphill climb for, for Coach Willard and company. And I think what he was able to do in the middle of the season, being able to put together that three-game winning streak and get the team to a 500 record and into the playoffs is is no small accomplishment. And what he's seen from his quarterback Jalen Rager or Jalen Rayner rather uh, has been uh, steps in the right direction. I don't think he has the consistency that Coach Willett would like to see, but he's at least starting to develop. And as a sophomore now, the snaps that he's getting this season in this shortened year are going to benefit him in the long run. But uh, going up against a Grimsley team, they're just going to have to take care of the football, especially because. That Worley's team knows how to get after the football. They know how to produce takeaways. That has been a staple of Daryl Brown's teams over the last couple of seasons. And one thing you can't do against a team that is better than you talent-wise is that you can't give them extra opportunities. And East Forsyth is basically going to have to play a perfect game here. Hey, it's the high school huddle reunion. Uh, Dave Pulaski, Joe Serrera on the line with me here. We're chopping up the first round of the uh, North Carolina High School Athletic Association playoffs, the 2021 COVID spring season edition. Uh, guys, if you had to put money on one team from the tribe to win a state title in this spring season, who would it be? 
Besides Reedsville? Yeah, because that's kind of cheating if you say Reedsville. <laughs> well, that, that was mine too, so we're a consensus. <laughs> Home of the 50-point game. Uh, if you, uh, yes. and, and for those that don't know, it was always a running joke on High School Huddle uh, and on the rundown when it was on Saturday mornings and we were giving these scores. When we would get to Reedsville, before we would give it, it would always be, well, how many points did Reedsville score last night? It would, we'd all guess and we'd all be painfully short for whatever it was that they scored. Um, they're, they're one seed again, uh, and they've got an awesome shot to get back and add another title to their uh, plethora of titles at Titletown. Is there another team from the area in the triad that you're kind of keeping an eye on, thinking that they might have a shot to have a run here? I, I like Grimsley. I really do. I think the, the, bra- the 4-8 West bracket is not the gauntlet that it is some years. I think that that favors them. I think their combination of outstanding defense. I mean, they've got a bunch of guys on defense who are what we used to on the huddle refer to as dudes. Yeah. And it starts with Travis Shaw up front, 6'5", 6'6", 315, basketball player, moves moves like a guy that size, should not move, great hands. He, he picks off screen passes. He bats stuff down. And then they've got another Division One defensive lineman, also a junior. Tamori Thompson, you've got linebackers, you've got Quentin Williamson, you've got uh, Sincere Burnett, you've got Clifton Buckram, who's sometimes a lineman, sometimes a linebacker. Where they might be a little bit softer is in the secondary. I don't think that a sophomore quarterback for East Forsyth is going to be able to take advantage of that. I think later in the playoffs is where they're going to get tested there. And then on offense, two transfers from Page come in this year. Quarterback Alonzo Barnett, running back Jael Melton, and they have been phenomenal considering what they were having to replace. Chris Zellis at quarterback was an all-area player for us. Quan Nora at running back was our player there. He ran for over 240 yards twice against yeah. East Forsyth last yeah, year. Yeah, he was a problem. I'm glad he's gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he was and, a complete and total problem. <laughs> you know, they've got those guys. They also have Lawson Albright at tight end. It, it's The tight end has kind of made a comeback this year, last two years in the triad. He's a great blocker. He's a great receiver. Caleb uh, Curtin transferred in from Southwest Guilford, a wide receiver who's going on to Elon, where they were a little weak at the beginning of the year is on the offensive line. Game two against High Point Central, they made, moved Lawson Albright's uh, younger brother in at left tackle. They moved another sophomore in at left guard. And they've grown into their roles. I mean, the the scary thing with them is they lose Lawson Albright and uh, Burnett and Williamson, and almost everybody else on that team is going to be back. And I, I do think we will see these two teams against each other in the playoffs next year because East Forsyth has so many young guys at skill positions getting playing time this year. And with that coaching staff and the schedule that they play, they're going to be really good next year. Yeah, yeah they're I think be really good. And, and Joe, just to kind of highlight what kind of weapons Grimsley has, Caleb Curtin, who, as Joe mentioned, transferred over from Southwest Guilford and is going to go to Elon to play football. He's not even in their starting lineup on offense. He's right. like the third <laughs> wide receiver option right now. So that just gives you an idea of the depth uh, that Alonzo Barnett has to choose from. Uh, at quarterback and, and he has numerous targets and getting those contributions uh, from Jael Melton at running back uh, have been huge going forward for them because it's balanced out their offense. Yeah. yeah I, and, I, I was impressed with Barnett when we saw him uh, week two, when they came to Kernersville, I was really impressed with, uh, with Barnett because really the two times I saw Grimsley last year, they were a ground and pound type of team. It was either Quan Nora to the left, Quan Nora to the right of center, basically it felt like, and it was just right up the field. Now dude would run 80 yards, <laughs> but I mean, it felt like that was the meat and potatoes of their offense. And they showed up in Kernersville this year with uh, more of a pro style passing type offense, which kind of threw East Forsyth, you know, off guard a little bit in terms of what they showed up with. And, and he's a really good runner too. Yeah, he, he's a better passer than Chris Zellis, and that's no no disrespect to Chris, but he's a really good runner, and he's bigger than you think he is. He's about six one, six two, and and pushing two hundred pounds. And he doesn't just run away from people; he can run over people. He, he is a, a even more of a dual threat, I think, in some ways than Chris Zellis was. And it, with their offense, they're just they can hurt you in so many ways. As long as they get the blocking up front, that's where they kind of the weak point of their their offense because they graduated a lot of talent from their offensive line. And I, I spoke with uh, Daryl Brown earlier this week too. He was very very complimentary of Alonzo Barnett and what he has done this year, not only to uh, take the reins at quarterback but to do so during a pandemic. Now, luckily for him, 
he transferred over from Page almost immediately after that 2019 football season ended. So he had a couple of months to kind of practice with the team and and get a little bit acclimated to the offense before the pandemic really took hold. So he he had a chance to at least get introduced to the packages, to the playbook, and that sort of thing. But to be able to come back from that and to do so uh, with limited practice time where you're conducting more Zoom meetings with your receivers and with your offensive teammates than anything, for him to adjust to the offensive system the way he has with only one interception and 21 total touchdowns is remarkable. Well, who's the one team, guys, that you think out of those area teams that I mentioned in their matchups that are going to be on Friday, who's the one team you think can put together a surprise run this year from the triad? I, I could I could see Glenn and Grimsley in that 4A West final. And I don't, know if, a, I don't know if that's a surprise. Glenn wins the Central Piedmont. And if you if you win the conference of death, you're you're not you're not necessarily <laughs> a surprise team. Uh, you know, I I got to look at Dudley. I mean, being an eight seed, uh, as yeah, you said seems, earlier, Dad, it's wild know, to me. Yeah, <laughs> it just happened that that they were conference runners up. They play Mount Tabor for their conference championship game the last two or three years, and Tabor beat them nine six this year. Um, if Dudley can get its offense going and and be a little bit more two-dimensional instead of just depending on the running game, I think they can make a deep run. To me, the key for them is their tight end. John Carlos Miller was was having a great season early in the year. He's going to be playing with Caleb Curtin at Elon. He's about 6'4", 6'5", 220, 225. Great catch radius, can run with the ball. He injured his shoulder in the first half, right shoulder of that Mount Tabor game, and really hasn't played much since. If he's healthy, that Dudley team can be two-dimensional and their defense is good enough to win. I'll say yeah. this about one team that ha- ha- definitely has the goods to make a run to the state championship game, but they have an absolutely brutal bracket to try and get through, and that's Mount Tabor. Mm-hmm. And we we got to see them last week uh, on WSJS where they took home the, the uh, Piedmont Triad 3A conference against Southwest Guilford. They have a video game-like good defense. Josiah yeah. Banks, an Army West Point commit, he is literally all over the field. He's in on run plays. He's able to make stops even in the secondary, and he's able to pick off some passes. He's done just a little bit of about everything. Max Uren, another great linebacker that they have. That defense hasn't allowed more than 15 points in any game this season, and they've wow. also pitched a couple of shutouts along the way. They've only allowed about seven points per game in seven games this year as they were able to go undefeated for the first time in the regular season since 1998. But when you look at the schedule, they play an Alexander Central team this year, uh, this week. That's five and two. If they get past them, they have to Weddington. host Weddington, the back-to-back oh. undefeated state champions, riding what is it, a thirty-game winning streak now, Joe? Yeah, <laughs> and, and they, they might be the best team in the state. I think the last couple of years, maybe they don't have as many Power Five kids, but there is no weakness in that program anywhere. And boy, you do not want to see them in the playoffs because they, they and Charlotte Catholic have been over the last four or five years, the most consistently dominant teams. And boy, Weddington is really good. The only advantage you have is that it it would be at home, but boy, that, that is a brutal draw. Yeah, yeah, I think if, if both of them win, we'll ha- we'll have the Weddington Mount Tabor game here. Absolutely, oh, uh, yeah. I think that's basically for the 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 crown <laughs> to me. Look, like whoever comes out of that game, and then look at the other half of the bracket too. Watauga and Dudley, as you guys mentioned, and then Canapolis Brown and TC Roberson. Those are two more really good, really consistent yes. programs that everybody knows about. So, I mean, you you want to talk about a bracket of death? Three double uh, A yeah. might be it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. it's it's rough. Uh, heavy sledding over there on that side and whoever emerges out of that side will have definitely deserved uh what they come back home with here um real quick before i let you guys go uh joe i know that you in terms of your duties with high school uh, athletics here in the triad which we all love uh the coverage that you're doing right now i know you also cover unc greensboro and uh word came out uh late yesterday evening that there's going to be a bit of a change with the men's basketball program correct yeah uh and wes miller who's uh had five straight 21 seasons, two NCAA tournament appearances, is headed to the University of Cincinnati to become the Bearcats coach, the coach there, uh, John Brannon, who succeeded Mick Cronin. Mick Cronin went on to lead UCLA to the Final Four. Uh, John Brannon, uh, there were some allegations of verbal and abusive players and some other issues, and his services were no longer required, and Wes Miller is going to be headed to Cincinnati. I, you know, As a UNCG alumni, uh, and, and everyone knows me, I'm a Carolina fan. 
I, I was not upset when West did not get the Tar Heel job. I wanted Hubert to get it. But also, for selfish reasons, I did not want West to leave UNC Greensboro. Uh, I remember the days of uh, Fleming Jim basically going to watch the other team that's playing against UNCG, you know, during my days when I was there. And to, to the point where it is now where Wes has led that team to almost national prominence. People know what UNCG, UNC Greensboro, they know they have a basketball program because of Wes Miller and what he's done here. Uh, I'm happy for him. I'm happy he's getting an opportunity to move up a level where he'll be in a conference that's not a one-bid conference. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I just I don't know what else to say other than congratulations to Wes. And uh, I, hope he, I hope he has a lot of success up there. Um, and I hope UNCG has some sort of plan because I would think they would have known for the past couple of years that, this day was going to come. <laughs> this day was going to eventually happen. Yeah, yeah it was I think a matter it, of time. Yeah, if they go in house, Andre Gray, one of their assistant coaches, is one of the better assistant coaches around, and he's ready for a Division One head coaching job. I don't know if he'll be the choice. I'm sure Kim Record will will look around. the 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 mess that Wes is going into at Cincinnati is a true mess because a ton of their players have entered the transfer portal since the season ended, more than half the roster, and it would be a major rebuilding job. But when he took over UNCG, it was a major rebuilding job, and he built it, and it's going to stand. I got, I'll say I got, this. I'll say this, too, just from, from my college coverage, too. Being the studio host for Florida State, going into the NCAA tournament, I was more worried about that first-round matchup against UNCG and Wes Miller than I was about the second-round matchup with Colorado. It was just... The way that they matched up with teams, the way that they play teams tough, the way that they could shoot from the outside, the way that they could go inside to Isaiah Miller, I was definitely concerned about that being a, a 13 over four upset. And I was I was relieved uh, as FSU studio host when the Seminoles were able to get past them because I, I felt more confident going into that second round matchup against the Buffaloes. This was fun, man. We need to do this again. We hadn't had a chance to have all three of us on a mic in over a year, I think, maybe a little bit longer than that. So definitely. Um, I definitely want to bring you guys back on before the playoffs are over. So we'll try to get that together as we get closer to the uh, state championship rounds. Uh, this mad sprint through April to crown uh, football champions in North Carolina. Follow both of these gentlemen on Twitter. Dave Pulaski, Joe Serrera will all be, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Are you going to be at the Grimsley game too, Joe? Yeah, I am. Uh, Dave, Joe, I appreciate you guys. I will see you both Friday night out at uh, Jameson Stadium in Greensboro. Should be uh, a lot of fun. He's for Siphon Grimsley hooking up for the billionth time <laughs> to figure out who's going to go forward here in the 4A state playoffs. Uh, appreciate both you guys being on. Hey, thanks, Dave. Thank appreciate you. it. Uh, you just heard a little bit about the transfer portal there. Coming up next, QEA men's uh, basketball coach Andre Gould joins us because he's got a lot to say about what's going on with the transfer portal and what the NCAA just did on Wednesday. You're listening to Franchise Players on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Franchise players, a loaded show today. We had uh, Joe Serrera, Dave Pulaski on uh, to preview all the opening round high school football games here uh, that will be starting off on Friday. Um, again, we've got two huge matchups here for you on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com on Friday. 7.30 start, East Forsyth traveling to Greensboro to take on Grimsley. That'll be on the main player. Uh, Glenn hosting Butler. That'll be on the secondary player. Both of those players are on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. You can hear both those games. Uh, starting at 7.30 on Friday. The the NCAA today, well, or excuse me, on Wednesday, made official the the basic basically the transfer portal. Uh, they had a one-year exemption this year because of COVID where kids could basically transfer uh, in football and basketball and not have to sit out a season. Um, and we've had local players like Shawnee Brown who went from Wake Forest to Michigan uh, take advantage of that rule. On Wednesday, the NCAA decided to make that rule permanent. So in football and basketball now, you can transfer one time only without having to sit out. So I wanted to bring on someone that could talk about this from the high school perspective. Uh, so I went and grabbed Coach Andre Gould from uh, QEA uh, over in Winston-Salem. Uh, Coach, how are you doing this evening? Or morning, doing good I with myself. Doing pretty good. A lot of stuff going on. Um, the transfer portal stuff, and we, we briefly talked about it Saturday at the, uh, the Winston-Salem Wolves game, and I wanted to get your opinion on what's going on because you actually deal with uh, high-end athletes on the high school level, and you were telling me that this is going to really affect 
the high school athletes more so than people are really talking about. And I wanted, you to, yeah. wanted to give you a platform to kind of explain what you meant. Well, I mean, all you have to do right now is kind of look around at the scholarships that are being offered. Um, it's very scarce right now when it comes to high school kids and uh, college coaches wanting to build their programs with high school players, especially when you know that you got transfer portal of anywhere from nine to 1,400 kids that can go into a transfer portal uh, every year, and especially this year with COVID, where there's no penalty. Um, and that'll taper off some the following year. But, you know, um, not only are the high school kids competing against other high school kids now, they're competing against other high, I mean, uh, uh, college kids that are going into these college programs, uh, not satisfied with the results uh, that they're having at their particular universities. And then you're dealing with the grad transfers. Once you graduate, you can transfer without any penalties. And so what's happening is at the Division One level, uh, you have the college coaches that have to recruit their kids over year in and year out based on the success that these kids are having. And so when those college kids decide they want to transfer, most of these college coaches are going to look for kids that have already been through. So, so those kids, these high school kids, um, oh, that's 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 uh, that's unbelievable now, you know, because you're dealing with the experience of kids, of the of freshman kids, sophomore kids, junior kids, and grad transfers that now have the experience over them. So, uh, I, I would imagine that you know, again, based on what I'm seeing, that uh, you know that. You know, the kids that are mid-majors and things of that nature, those kids are, you know, kids that they can go to 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 college programs like that or low D1s, um, those kids are going to suffer when it comes to the scholarships uh, as far as being able to play at the Division One level. And, and, that, you know, and that's something. Put in a lot of work. Yeah, and that's something that affects um, your program because you guys constantly send you know, D1 me, guys uh, out. What I, what I say is the, the me now movement. It's about me now. Uh, no kid wants to wait, be patient. He wants to earn his keeps. So a lot of these kids are going to be leaving. Like, hey, look, you know, I'm supposed to be this. So if I don't get what I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to have right now, the kids going to transfer. So, yeah, I was actually talking to uh, West Forsyth head football coach Adrian Snow uh, on Monday because we do their coaches show uh, weekly. And he was echoing the same things. But on the football side that you were just talking about in terms of uh, kids not wanting to wait and not wanting to you know, learn the ropes of the, the older kids in front of them. They want to play now. And be, uh, in a way, like you said, the NCAA rule on uh, Wednesday, uh, this become permanent. It almost rewards those same kids for wanting to move on. We just saw it, you know, at Carolina with Walker Kessler. He was going to be at Auburn uh, next year. And I, I, it was perfectly summed up to me on Twitter where someone was like, you know, you're going to be the starting center for North Carolina. You're a center. Why are you, why are you transferring out? And it's just because it's so available that anybody can do it, it's going to change the way all these places recruit like you were well, hitting on there. You know, you got these coaches that can be recruiting these kids. So if I lose out to Carolina my first year, I'm just going to keep recruiting the kids throughout the year. Right, right. For every little thing it, that doesn't happen his way, I'm going to be like, see, I told you so. See, I told you so. <laughs> see, I told you so. You know, I mean, the NCAA, I mean, you know, it's kind of like the state of North Carolina with these rules. Everybody got a rule for a rule. Yeah. You know, and just instead of letting these kids just be who they are, so let them find the best situation, and then let's just move on from there. It's, so it's almost – we're not letting them move. grow up. We're not letting them grow into adults, it feels like, by doing stuff like this to cater to, well, you know, kids wanting to go places like this. Well, you think about it. Uh, when you came up, when I came up, it was, you know, you could count on your hand how many AAU programs or football teams that were in the city. Mm-hmm. Or – vice versa but now every time little Johnny doesn't get his way you know his dad or his uncle somebody go start a team yep you're right you know so we started we started enabling them very very early that hey look you don't have to earn your way I'll just I'll I'll feature you on your own things so that's what these kids get uh you know even out of you know you know Kessler you know he went into a situation he's like hey just wait yeah sometimes you gotta wait it's okay to wait yeah you know just keep working hard he made it through the waiting period. That's the crazy yeah. thing. Like, you know, th th this year was the waiting period. Like, he was Absolutely. basically set to be the star at Carolina you next know, year right. with the defections. So, I don't I don't understand it. Do you think uh, – I know you've heard about overtime, the new 
uh, semi-pro league they're kind of setting up for 16, 18-year-olds. Do you think that might give that league more of a chance, this rule, since uh, these high school kids might get you know, pushed to the side in terms of recruiting? Uh, I mean, again, I, mean, I, think, I think it's just another excuse maker. It's just another option to give a kid another option to say, hey, this is what I want to do. I don't have to do this part of it. You know, we're taking out the, the, the hard work of it. Right. Yeah. What do you think, uh, the, what's going to be the end game here with this? What do you see this going over the next couple of years? Like, how is that going to affect uh, not just, you know, the players moving around, but uh, high-level programs like yourself uh, here in the state? How do you think it's going to affect everything as a whole over the next couple of years? Well, I mean, again, you know, um, like over time, they have the elite kids. You know, we'll have what we have. Um, you know, you just, I mean, you know, everything will find its niche. Everything will find its period of adjustment when everything settles down. But, you know, people have to stand up, step up to some challenges around here. Um, you know, when it comes to competition, kids playing, kids getting better. Um, and we're going to have to get back to some of our old, our, our old foundations. Stop allowing people to have excuses of why things are not happening the way it should happen. When you have kids like that, uh, like say at QEA, where say you got a kid that's uh, you know just raw, he's he's got talent. You see, that he's got the potential there, but he's also got you know people talking in his ear, and he's also got that same mentality of uh, when he arrives there that you know this should be handed to me. W- what do you do to kind of make that kid realize that he's still got to work uh, to get the things that he wants? Um, and and are you noticing a difference in some of the kids nowadays as opposed to five or six years ago, or or maybe longer in terms of how long Absolutely. it takes for that to get through? Absolutely, because um, everybody's they, they're past the microwave society now. Mm-hmm. So these are microwaves you had 60 seconds to pop the popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> but right now they're in the air fryer situation. They just want to, like, as soon as I put it on, it's got to be done. <laughs> right. You know, they, they, they just think they, they, they think they've arrived. You know, I was just talking to my, my big guy. You know, I told him the other day, I love him to death. <laughs> He's buying in. I said, you know, when you first came to me, you was sorry, real sorry. <laughs> now you a good sorry. So that's gross. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So, I, I joke with him a life. I joke with him a lot, but I meant what I said. But you're going to be special. You just have to trust the process. And the biggest thing is you have, to, you have to build a relationship with these kids. You're not going to just be a coach anymore. Problem is you have too many just coaches. Mm. And they're not enough character builders. Mm. got a lot of that going on. And it's been that way for quite some time. All these people hide behind their titles. Saying they they for these kids, but when you're dealing with these kids, man, you gotta have to know everything about them. So, so what I've done at QEA and what I've done in the past, and once I'm prepping, even when I was at Reynolds, mm-hmm. I made sure I had a relationship with their kids, these players, their parents, the girlfriends when they get them, mm-hmm. uh, the little brothers, little sisters. I'm making a family. We're gonna do that. Uh, and- and that's and that's honestly it's sad because that's rare you know like I, i've been on record i've always said especially here in the area uh you know d- with the high school football relationships that i have and uh and now getting into basketball here in the area there's certain there's certain schools that have like a, a year where they have a good team you know like the yeah, football yeah, team yeah. goes nine and two or something like that yeah, but then yeah, the next year they're like five and five or something but then there's coaches that build programs like there's right. there's guys in this area that have programs that people know are yeah. pro, they're going to be good every year. Like I count you in that group. I count coach Willard over at East Forsyth football in that group. Yeah, coach yeah, snow yeah. at West Forsyth, uh, Freddie Johnson at Greensboro day. You know what I mean? Like that you guys have programs, you you're program builders. So to me, I feel like the ones that have programs will be able to navigate this new world a lot better than the ones like you were just saying, where it's just, you know, a coach and name only, uh, you know, they might get blessed with a player here and there. They have a great run. Uh-huh. And then the next year, it's like back to ground zero. And Absolutely. and I think they're going to struggle with a lot of this. But I think that the places like you, you're going to I think in a way it might become a place where even more kids want to come there because they're going to get more exposure because the, the places to get exposure in high school are going to become smaller and smaller with everything else going on. So in a weird way, it might provide more exposure for places that actually have built programs like you've done uh coach Gould. So I don't know. We'll, 
we'll see what happens with it, but I definitely want to get your opinion on it. You know, I value that. And definitely as this stuff starts coming around to fruition, I'll definitely bring you back on so we can talk a little bit more, especially definitely. as we get back around to basketball again. Uh, yeah. I'll love to bring you back on and we'll, we'll chop it up again for, for real, real soon. For sure. That's a franchise player. Stick around. Uh, another new episode uh, tomorrow. We'll be previewing and giving our predictions for winners of the first round of uh, the state football playoffs. JP Mundy, uh, Jay Spivey, Ryan Stone will be here with me. And we'll have uh, Antoine Stevenson, head coach for the Glenn Bobcat football team. My guy. Uh, co-champs. First time. Uh, My guy. <laughs> conference champ for the first time in years. My Glenn guy. Bobcats are going to be hosted Let's Butler. That's <laughs> do it. Man, he, man, they're so hype on the other side of Kernsville right now, oh, man. They're, yeah, they're ready to rock and roll. So Yo, he'll be a guest tomorrow, too. too. <laughs> Yo, I know. I hope tweet it out. <laughs> oh, they're going to be packed over there at Glenn on uh, Friday for sure. And like oh, I said, we're going to have that game. Yeah, we're, we're going to have that game, too, Glenn Butler. So we're looking forward to it all, man. Coach, I appreciate having you on tonight. And uh, I hope everything stays uh, lovely for you going forward. All right, man. I appreciate you, champ. Keep doing, right. doing a heck of a job. Hey, I appreciate you. Uh, that's Franchise Players, guys. We'll talk to you soon.